Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to episode 54 of the Tutus podcast. I am Nana. And I am Rose. And together we are Tutus. And we have a special, special guest today here with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, hi, hi. I'm Kachenka. Um, yeah, what's it? What do people call me these days? So, yeah, I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a plus-size model. Um, I'm a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a little bit of a hoe as well. Got, yeah, we love to see that. it. <laughs> a professional title. It's on my LinkedIn. So, yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious so many accolades you're a writer you're a journalist like mm-hmm. you've got to like, say HRH as well you've got HRH <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah I've read some of your stuff and oh, you're a great writer because mm-hmm. I also write I don't want to say I'm a writer yet but I also have been writing for many but years you must though you really must like you mm-hmm. are a writer like from time you pick up the pen and mm-hmm. also it's a calling you know, like what we've inherited, like as black people, is like so rich, and we have a legacy, and you're part of a community, and yeah, like we really need you to claim that title for yourself. So you're a writer to me, so you might as well be a writer to yourself. You know what mm-hmm. it is? I, sometimes it just feels a bit dishonest when I'm not doing it consistently. Because you know how writing can be sometimes. Sometimes you're not in the mood yeah. to do it or, you know, you, you don't even have the inspiration to put things out. So that's where I think it comes from. Well, you know. Sure. I mean, discipline is something that, like, arrives. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. some people are blessed with, like, you know, a natural proclivity to just <clears throat> write daily on time to a certain amount or whatever. And for most of us, I would say... It's something that we really struggle with. And so, again, you're not alone in that. You're not the only writer who's, like, struggled to write every day and consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the gig, to it be is. honest. <laughs> it is. But, yeah, I, I love your work. And, yeah, Thank you. let's get into it. Should we play a game? Because usually we play a game as an icebreaker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What, do you, do you, what do you think, Rosie? Yeah, let's go for it. I'd like, do you know what? I really enjoyed... Um, this or that, like we did, like we did last week. Oh, okay, yes, all right. This, yeah. Okay, this or that. Do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. So just to explain it. Um, this or that is basically we give two options of things just so our listeners can kind of gauge, get to know you a little bit, see what you're uh-huh. doing, like what you like, what you don't like, and just make assumptions, even though we shouldn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, so this or that. Should we we did did we do a topic last time about what this or that? We just went we just like random random easier when it's like you know when it's when it's random. Okay, cool. So seeing as Kuchenga is based in Berlin, let's go with London or Berlin first. Yes. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Um. Like up until. Um. Even like three months ago, it would have been London, but it would have to be Berlin now. Mm-hmm. I think because of affordability, vibrancy, and opportunity, um, like London is far from dead. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's never. It's not something. It's not a place that yeah. could um, <clears throat> lose its life force. 
But for me personally, like I was priced out like a few years ago. Um, and like, I respect everyone who's still hustling, but I just couldn't. Um, and so like moving to Berlin just offered me um, such a reinvigoration. Mm. Um, and it's really changed my spiritual relationship with myself, like in terms of what I feel I deserve from the day. Um, mm. Yeah, me and my sister were like sitting outside this little bistro on Kofustendam, um, in the rest of the city, like um, Charlottenburg. And like, yeah, we're just having this nice little breezy moment. And then she just turns to me and goes, You know, Berlin is just so livable. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why. <laughs> She's pit um, past the post of me and, and this, this, or that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Berlin is. We went to Berlin um, in 2018 for Berlin Carnival, and it was it was so good. Like it was mm. Berlin as a city. Oh, we had a great time. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a really it's a really nice city. It's clean and it's just just like even getting about was mm-hmm. really really easy as well. Like same. Like, yeah. That- yeah, Berlin is mm. is, a, is a great city. Um, Watch uh, my turn. Uh, let's see, articles or novels? Novels. Um, I would say, <clears throat> but obviously, there's an immediacy to articles and they tend to be more incisive, you know, straight to the point. And um, the political worth of <laughs> Oh, it's like more immediately evident. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's worse. Yeah, <laughs> it says what its aims are, like quite clearly. But novels for me um, have saved my life, kept me alive, and taught me what I want from life. Um, helped me to <clears throat> view myself as human and to empathise with people with humans who I don't share the same identities with. Um, like I live in other worlds because of novels and you know <clears throat> what I love is like when people say that they've read something and they're like I'm not the same after having read that novel mm. like that like the capability of transformation through reading that just it constantly blows me away and every time I think okay do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. I had Bill. Do you know what I mean? I'm old now. I'm a, I'm a whole 35. Po- I'm grown. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and stuff. But then I'll come across a book and I'm just like, whoo. Yeah. You know, like I just, yeah, like this year I read um, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, um, which is a story about two um, twins, one who passes for white and one who lives as a black woman and stuff. And wow. like the skill, the skill, like watch it, like Brit, like you can't come for Brit. You can't <laughs> come for Bennett. Oh no. Um, like it is definitely a book of the year and it's got, got an incredible trans character in there as well who just like really blew me out of the water. And then also um, Ocean Vong's um, on Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. Whew. Now, wow. now Miss Ocean Vong. Now he has this ability to just pack the emotion into a sentence. He's a poet. Mm-hmm. And so every sentence is just like, 
oh, it's a meal. It's a whole meal. Mm-hmm. And you're just, yeah, it's surprisingly, you find that your stomach expands, you can just handle everything that he's feeding you. It, so yeah, those two books this year just reminded me of the power of novels to just transform my relationship with myself mm-hmm. and um, existence more generally. Like they're just so, like novels are just everything to me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick novels as well. Um, um, I guess the same, just a, the ability to ch- actually change your life. And oh. also, you know, uh, growing up, I read, a, like I read a lot more than I do now. Um, and it was just a sort of escapism for me. Oh. Like I was able to go into different worlds when maybe I wasn't enjoying my own that much. Um, mm. So definitely, you know, it's something that I haven't. I think when I went to uni, that totally messed me up because, like, it was so full on. I don't think I was quite ready for how full on uni was, and I completely fell out of love with like picking up a book. Um, fell out of love with literature a bit, mm. um, and just because of my own journey, you know, like finding myself and you know existing as a queer person and mm. not being okay with that, I completely just went into this other place which was a bit dark, and I fell out of love with with uh, reading. But mm. it is something that I I do believe that it's transformative and it, that it does change lives and is a form of escapism. So. Yeah, books all the way for me. Oh, oh, articles or books. I'm an article babe. You've written an article, haven't you, babe? I have. I, I wrote an article this year for British Vogue and... Congratulations. I, that's why I'm going to thank you. It kind of fits into, um, like, my everyday routine, life, it, whether, whether that's changing, if I'm on the tube or whatever like that. But with a book, I feel like I need to fit it in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so like these days I find myself reading half a book or like just get caught away through the book and something's happened and it's thrown me off and then it just doesn't fit into my routine anymore mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't even fit in with my vibe anymore mm-hmm. whereas an article it's alright even if it's like a long article it's cool like I always like I said I always read on the tube on the way to work and stuff and that's my main reading place so maybe, maybe that's the reason why you know because that's, that's when I'm choosing to read but I also but, think that like social media is such a hindrance when it comes to reading as well. Like we're so much mm-hmm. on our phones and like to even and, our, and it's made our attention span. So like my yeah. span is the worst, you know. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can flick through my phone all day long, but mm-hmm. to read mm-hmm. from cover to cover is a lot harder than it is to just mm-hmm. phone and be on. And then, and I think that's just what like just now nowadays that's what it is. It's more so everything is just like in your hand, so gadgety. But also I. Mm-hmm. I don't like reading books on a phone or on a device. I prefer, you know, like yeah. a physical copy as well. So it's just like, mm-hmm. be like, oh, maybe you should go, you should read ebooks. I'm like, it's not really my thing. Like, oh, an ebook is not for me. <laughs> yeah. Ebook recipe book. I can't even. <laughs> exactly. It's weird, isn't it? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kachenga? This or that? Do you have one? <laughs> Um, okay, I feel like I want to stoke some <laughs> diaspora wars, so <laughs> ask, jerk chicken or jollof rice? Oh my god, I just, ah. I know. I'm doing it, I'm like, doing what, what is this? The set. black Twitter on fire, I literally, I'm, I'm looking to go viral, off of one tweet, 
There we go. You know what? I, I saw in your, like, in your, your, uh, but I don't know if it's called a byline or whatever, it said agitator. And, <laughs> yes. and, and this is what you've come to do. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. I created Jason Bourne, okay? Like, <laughs> this is hard. I'm with, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is hard. You know, I had one in my head, but I've changed it now. I had, yeah. Do you know, have you, have you been to uh, White Men Can't Jerk in Peckham? I haven't been, but I heard it's good, you know. Oh, no, we went. We went in Peckham. It's called in Peckham. What's the Prince oh, of Peckham? Oh, Prince of Peckham is that. Okay. I had that the other day. And that's, that's, I haven't had jollof rice since that day. So maybe I should go for jerk chicken. But I feel bad for speaking jerk chicken. <laughs> <laughs> White man can't jerk. What is that? What in the chat, Hanks? Like, what is the... But, like, ah, I'm screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know if it's even a because it's a black owned Is that Adele's favourite takeaway? Like? <laughs> oh, not Adele's favourite takeaway. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Yeah, that's where she got her outfit from. Build that outfit. Yes, that's <laughs> Literally, yes. I saw the sauce splatters on the little, like, bralette. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is I saw nice. the sauce. <laughs> No, right. that I don't know why they're called the white men can't because I'm it's black owned, so I don't know why they're called that. But oh, uh, is it? I mean, you know, I don't get it. Have a little play around, have a little joke with our feet. I'm picking jerk chicken, but jerk chicken on jollof rice is, a, is an elite combo. I that know. Combo. I know. If we could just come together, if we, as a <laughs> yep. if we could just come together. Yeah. But, Where are you from? Wait, what country are you from? Me, I'm half Jamaican, half Zimbabwean. Well, oh, okay. nice. best of both. Yeah, the thing is, like, when I tell men that, yeah, like, it's like, oh, that's a nice mix, you know. Why are they like that? Whatever, and then it's like never mentioned again. So, like, it's like, <laughs> this is like, it's because like, no, it's, it's black mixed with black, you just don't get the exotic points. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, yeah. As it goes, whereas yeah, if I was like half Malaysian, half Brazilian, whatever, do you know what I mean? Oh I'd yeah, they'd be loving it. Fashion yeah. over sponsorships and whatever, but you know, we move. <laughs> We're gonna get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um oh God, I'm picking. Oh, this is so hard. I'm so sad right now. Okay, I'm picking jollof. Mm, God help me. I'm picking jollof. This is really really hard. Because a lot of like like Caribbean food, well specifically mm. like Jamaican curry goat and mm. jollof is such an elite meal. Just like coming mm-hmm. together. Oh yeah. I've never had curry goat and jollof. We did at my um Oh yeah, I have, yeah. At mine. And it was it was top it was nice actually. Yeah, very good. But I'm picking mm-hmm. jollof just because, you know, I got a ride for, you know, for Ghana. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. Robert, I'm, I'm some pagan. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What about you, mm. Did you pick? Um, I am going to go for Jollof. And the reasons are... <clears throat> um, I did like the ancestry.com um, kind of DNA test. Mm-hmm. And I found out that I am... Um, Actually, the, the results keep changing, but either way, there's a lot of Nigerian up in there. But um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I see, even though 
jerk chicken, obviously, is the um, is Jamaican meal. I still see it being like tacitly an African meal anyway. So I see you are starting the beef today. I'm gonna rattle some people. <laughs> I want to think pieces okay <laughs> let me have the center of the discourse I, so, yeah i think um jollof is like the source you know it's the source meal and i feel like because it's a carb it's something that you're going to depend on more regularly and stuff whereas jerk i see as being more of a special occasion a sunday kind okay. of weekend meal kind of thing yeah. and stuff. Um, and I think, like, Jollof is, like, a tad more adaptable also. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, each country having its own kind of spin on it, I think is really cool um, and stuff. And <clears throat> I also would say, doesn't it keep for longer? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you put Jollof into the freezer, like, you know... Oh, you're gonna fun. have like a fantastic fun time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A short while later. Whereas Jet, I feel the day after, fine. Maybe even the day after that. Mm. But I don't know. It's not a microwave-friendly right. kind of thing. I don't. Yeah, yeah. as it so, you have to reheat that in the oven. Yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's why I'm sticking with it. So seeing as you want to be controversial, yes, also be controversial too. Uh, who makes the best jollof? Ah! Oh, oh, what country uh, makes the best jollof? Go through my phone and see <laughs> what which one I'm talking to right now. Because let me just come down on the side. <laughs> no, um, I would say. Um, if I'm trying to start fights, mm-hmm. then I would like come out of like a curveball and say like Senegalese. Wow. But like, in terms of who have I depended on the most, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm gonna go with good old Ghana. I am. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Gonna do yeah. it. I am literally. You know, it's not. It's not so hard to admit because it's true. You know, it's it's great. It's just nice to be honest about things. You know, <laughs> finally, finally, for many many I'm years, we, you know, we've. Started. You know, I've never had Senegalese jollof before. I haven't either. Apparently, I, think, I feel like they put. I feel like they put. What do they put? Like, is it like a bit more onion? Something I don't know. I feel like yeah, but they. Is there? I don't know. Like, I feel, I had it once. Mm. It was nice. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Well, they put onion, like actual, like, onions. Onion. Like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the one that I had had, like, onion slices, mm-hmm. chunk or something. But yeah, I could be making things up because, yeah, my memory is not dependable. <laughs> oh, yeah, cooking. I'm in my cooking bag right now. So this conversation is great for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made, um, I've made jollof rice twice now. I've made jollof rice twice. Past well, month. Rice is amazing. And it's oh, amazing. It's the first and second time I've ever made jollof, and it actually bangs. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, cool. I hope that's a little um, cool icebreaker on our listeners. See <laughs> how, how much of an instigator Kachenga is. Boo. <laughs> 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 so go ahead, Nana. 
All right, so um, we're going to get into the subject. So, um, like, we've had this podcast for over a year now, and um, we, like, obviously there's loads of things that we talk about. We talk about, um, we try and educate people and sort of bridge the gap between, you know, straight people, cis straight people, and the queer community, because we feel like um, there's there's a bit of a divide, especially within the black community. Um, And we don't really speak on things that we don't know so we of, we often get people who are knowledgeable on the topic to come on um, and so we haven't actually spoken about you know the t in the, of lgbtqia um mm. and so, yeah we haven't really delved into that because we don't want to speak you know we don't want to speak for people we never ever want to do that we always want to get mm. in that space we're not we're not here to take up space um and so that's why it was really really important for us to have you on here and also not just that but you know as you know a black trans woman as a dark mm. that was really, mm. really important to us because oh yeah we wanted to make sure like like some dark skinned women representation for like that was our aim for this subject mm-hmm. I'm glad yeah so important to us so we just wanted to know a little bit about you like who is Kachenga mm. and like what ha- what has been your what is your journey so far oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, yeah I said my parents are Jamaican and Zimbabwe but um I should have also pointed out that they were um pan-Africanists um mm. parents I was um, <clears throat> I was conceived in North in South London, but raised, born and raised in North London. Um, my parents met at um, the Bristol Lawson in the eighties, working on the Scrap Sauce campaign, um, which was like um, a it's basically like a um, sort of law policies by the Metropolitan Police, which meant that they were able to arrest people people who were um, about to be sus- who were suspected of being about to commit a crime. Oh you my know, God. Kind of, a minority reportees, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, looking out on the street. You know, it would have seemed that that person's walking a little niggardly. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, part of that campaign was, like, going to um, collect um, black youth who were just arrested, like, out of um, their day-to-day life, having done nothing and stuff. And so... My dad is a statistic and um, did maths, and so he was a statistician. And my mum was working as an administrator at the Brixton Law Centre. And it was—I haven't seen that um, BBC thing, Small Acts, but yeah. Um, Mangrove. Oh yeah, please. yeah. But like that period of time is yeah. like I was born, and so coming out of that like black political movement, I feel <clears throat> I had all of that like black political, philosophical and literary thoughts swelling around my childhood. And so I started reading um, because my parents did, it was just like an imitation thing. So um, yeah, like they read, so I did. And I had incredible black feminist works in the home. So, you know, all of the Alice Walkers and the Tony Morrisons, the Dorothy West and the Patricia Hill Collinses and Laura Smith or whatever. So that's my base. That's my canon. That's what I'm saying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think... Like, there was such a high regard for literature in general because of their colonial educations, but there were also just so many um, examples of how one could advance in, 
life. Like for so for us as like black British people, there was you know Butchie and Machetta and Sarah Sandler and whatever. But <clears throat> I was so fascinated by um, the like black diaspora, like just in a broad sense. Like I was very much in love with. Um, African-American culture, like, you know, being raised in the um, early 90s with the Cosby Show and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the Sister Sister and stuff. Um, That kind of, like, Black bourgeois aspirationist life just, like, said something to me. (laughs) So, um, I just, that's where I just saw myself... Um, advancing in life, you know, like becoming like really respectable. But of course, um, I was a very queer child. Mm. Um, and so <clears throat> my gender nonconformity was like really clear from the outset. Like I was just a really swishy kid. Like, you know, I was in the sandpit with my little negligee boo, you know, purple satin <laughs> with a black like, overlay boo boo. Okay, so I was, I just did, I was, I did not come to play with help. Um, and so the bullying actually didn't start until um, maybe like seven, eight. And me like knowing that there was this like period of utopia where everything was fine, mm-hmm. but I wasn't masculinizing and so that's when that became an issue i was like well this is a system and i just this this and i don't know what you lot are talking about like (laughs) i'm a girl so i don't know what you lot have to say i mean all Mm -hmm. this talk but like yeah we'll just we'll have to see in it but i knew what was it was just too dangerous and so i suppressed what i needed to suppress said what i needed to say and um I played the game as much as I could. I was quite the golden child in the sense that I was really conscious that I wanted to be academically excellent. Um, you know, just garner the praise that I felt was going to be taken away <clears throat> because of my queerness. And then at 17, um, it just became really untenable. I was enduring so much um, <clears throat> physical and sexual violence. Um, that um, the trauma was manifesting me in a really painful way. And um, I then left my secondary school, which was um, in Enfield. And I went to a very white middle class sixth form Mm. in Camden. I went to Camden Girls. And, um, you know, for... A black trans girl to like go to like a girl's school for six four was like it, it meant a lot, yes. But um, but at the same time, it just was like really dangerous, and it othered me in my community and in my family to such an extent that I ended up homeless. Mm. Wow! After having become really <clears throat> just clear and declarative about who I was. Mm. Um, I still, I could, like, I met my first trans girls in my homeless hostel, which was a Christian homeless hostel in South Kensington, which is a very kind of specific and particular experience. <laughs> but their lives were so all that I just did not want what they were going through. And so I didn't come out as trans um, for a long while. I just, I just, it just, it just seemed like such an awful life. I was like, why would I want that for myself? Let me just cotch in this little like, you know, as gay as possible, like gayer than gay than gay. <laughs> yeah. 
Corby, like, you know, like, give me the scarves, give me the pails, give me that, do you know what I mean? As it goes. Yeah. You know, I'm linking, like, you know, I'm, I'm linking the trade boot, okay? Literally, yeah. with this shape, as it goes. So, yeah, I was giving you all sorts of hourglass, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was serving. Um, but it still wasn't enough. Do you know what I mean? And like, so because of my drug and alcohol issues, um, which were extensive, like, it's not just like, you know, I was having a few awkward mornings. I was um, at an Amy Winehouse level of on my way to dying. <clears throat> and so, yeah, um, so in my 20s, it basically got to the point where I knew that if I didn't <clears throat> do something, I was going to die. And then as the suicide, suicidal ideation increased, I was like, you know what, I'm going to die. Um, but I know that <clears throat> I can't go on like this. But, you know, let me just try and transition just to see if that's going to make like, you be okay. Yeah, that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It was literally, I'm going to, I'm basically, I'm going to die. So, but like just before I like, you know, just pull mm-hmm. the plug, jump or do whatever I was thinking of doing. I was like, let me just see if like transitioning will really <clears throat> allow me to live in this world. And um, it was the necessary act of self-love um, that I needed to do it. Just like put me back in my body in a way that I could appreciate. Like I wasn't, <clears throat> I think I don't, like, I understand the rhetoric around being born in the wrong body. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And stuff, but I'm really um, I hold the um, words of Toni Morrison really close to me and there was an interview where someone asked her um, <clears throat> you know like she was talking about the fact that um, we say that you know no one asked um, to be born Yeah, but in her wonderful mystic philosophical way she said but what if we did Mm-hmm. And recently I was talking to a friend and I was like, you know, I just, if there was a point <clears throat> where I was like communing with uh, goddesses and gods and ancestors and whatever, you know, up in the stars and they were like, you know, like, you know, I was twinkling away and they were like, okay, we're going to send you down there and hear me out, hear me out. Okay. <laughs> going to put you in the body of a boy. I'm like, me, me, <laughs> like, excuse me. And then like, yeah, yeah, sure. I know it's weird, but we really think you can handle it, you know. Like I think, yeah, if you need to manifest the divine feminine, do you know what I mean? Like you're that girl, you can do that. Like here goes a few little obstacles, but make it glorious, make it cute, do what you need to do. Um, and I have. <laughs> and you have like you have so well as well. Um I wanted to know, like at the time that you left home. Mm. Your parents know, you know, you were transgender or did they, or was, did you just tell them that you were, you know, you were gay at the time? Yeah, like, there wasn't the language, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it wasn't, yeah, like, <clears throat> I knew what transgender was. Mm. I didn't feel like I would, like, I didn't feel like I was beautiful enough to really claim the word. I saw, like... I saw being like transgender as like being like winning the lottery. That was reserved for a particular kind of person. You needed to be passable from jump, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, don't be out uh, in these 
it's, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, confusing people and like, you know, taking the piss, do you know what I mean? So if you can't, be, if you're not passable, don't even bother. That, that was my, the way that I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and low-key still do Sundays, whatever. Um, so yeah, basically, um, I didn't, um, yeah, that the discourse wasn't available to me and my parents in that way. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. like, if I had been really declarative about my transness, like, the beaters would have just increased. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, no, do you know what I mean? The, their thinking was, you know, okay, like, if I was to speak in that way, they would have been like, okay, so Kachanga's crazy. <laughs> Literally <laughs> And yeah, we need to get Kachega sectioned and because all of this talk, I don't know yeah. what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like you are not well. Mm-hmm. Um it would be yeah, it would just be evidence of severe mental illness. No matter how sincere I, I put it, there was no there was no way that I could communicate that that to my family to be honest. So I think it's the chorus of um truths coming from the community which has even made it get to the level where we are being considered in that way because I it could have it couldn't have um penetrated um the minds of my family and my community without this level of um um trans upsurgence do you know what I mean it's, it needs to be this loud persistent and consistent um and we're at an impasse, do you know what I mean? Because I'm not in the business of, you know, proving my womanhood to people every day, do you know what I mean? As it goes, like, I live my life, like, um, <clears throat> and you lot treat me the way you treat me and stuff. But at the end of the day, um, I, yeah, I just don't get into fights in that regard. Like, I'm a writer, I've got, I've got work to do, like, I really don't have time. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'll put it in an article, I'll put it in a novel and I'll share it in that way. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't, I like, you're either on or you're off. And if yeah. I feel disrespected by you, I'm gone. I'm, I've left. I'll move country, I'll move house, I'll block your number, I'll block your phone. Block, yeah. block, 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 block. Nobody's yeah. above blocking. <laughs> yeah, nobody is above blocking. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's mad because your parents, obviously, they seem quite, uh, you know, obviously educated and, you mm. know, um, and, you know, like trans people have existed for a very, very long time. And mm. um, obviously there's been an erasure of, you know, mm. trans stories and experiences. Could you touch upon that a bit? Because I feel like a lot of people just think it's this new thing that sort of just emerged. <laughs> I mean, I wrote about that recently about the erasure of um, gender nonconformity um, as a result of colonization, as in, um, <clears throat> I can't really imagine like, <clears throat> like being born in, you know, 972, 1126, like 1353, um, in Cameroon, in eastern Nigeria, in like Mali or whatever, and really think like, okay, if I was in that space, that I would endure the level of rejection that I do. Um, and I was really um, spun out by um Chemo Achebe's Things Fall Apart. Because mm. I read it for the second time for the Galdem reading group, which I was um, a part of. 
And I was scouring. I was like, where's the, where's the homophobia? Where's the transphobia, bitch? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's so many rules and regulations around behavior and etc. and masculinity and whatever. There was definitely that. Do you know what I mean? It was definitely very essentialist in that regard. But, you know, they were rejecting all of these people, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, abandoning twins to the wilderness and whatever, like... So, yeah, like, like where the Chinese there, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, it just wasn't there. Mm. And I was like, okay. Um, and, like, my mum would speak of um, growing up in um, Jamaica in the 50s, the 60s, and she would say there was this um, man in the village called Cutie, and so she would walk around Livera and he just had this walk, you know, and so she'd just do the hey. little walk, you know, and like, yeah, so she said, you know, and, you know, and yeah, so he was there and stuff, but he couldn't be the only one because he'd have to find someone to be gay with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was as far as she was going to go, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, she, was, yeah, she knew that there was DL trade up in the place. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yes, that's it. Mm. Um, so, so I think when it comes to all of that, like I, yeah, you're right. There is a level of education um, that meant that my parents couldn't like be in absolute denial, mm-hmm. um, particularly because they had like such immense respect for like James Baldwin and mm-hmm. you know that stuff. But at the same time, they still just saw it as like a frivolity. Do you know what I mean? Like that level of <clears throat> sexual perversion, mm-hmm. it was, like, reserved for the white middle classes. That's for them to do. Do you know what I mean? Of course they can. Do you know what I mean? They can, like, you know, you know, wear scarves and dresses and, you know, like, you know, be a lesbian and, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, it was like something that you picked up on the third floor of John Lewis. Do you know what I mean? It was not yeah. seen as, like... Um, it was not seen as like just a way of being. It was something yeah. that you do, that you yeah. perform. And because it's something that you do and you perform, it's something that you could not do mm-hmm. and not perform. And yeah. so that choice, this lifestyle that you seem to be so enamored <laughs> yeah. with is um, evidence of you betraying our like um, cultural community by running with these whites. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you behaving like them? Mm. Um, yeah, like you need to feel, yeah, um, with the program. Yeah, I definitely think people still feel like the way because um, mm. I don't know. I feel like we're in our little echo chamber of Twitter or mm. our echo, whatever Instagram circles we're in and stuff. And it just feels like even people who are um, cis het as well that we know, it's like okay, they understand, they they get it. It's not a choice and it's not a lifestyle. Mm. Like that, but as soon as you step out of that, oh lord, mm. you start again. It's a choice. So why do you need to be like this? Yeah. I, mean, I mm. think that. I think that a lot of people still think like that. Like it's still third of John Lewis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and like, I think for me, like there's um, like queerness, black queerness is like um, an acceptance of self, mm. um, you know, a disavowal of like, hegemony and like <clears throat> like just like self-love is like a form of decolonization but I just really see that as being <clears throat> a liberatory path that um 
has allowed us to come together in new ways. So yeah, we've always been here, but we were all, always here and suppressed and traumatized and hiding and whatever. And I think that there's something about the <clears throat> um, coagulation of our communities over the last like 50 to 100 years, which is a result of so many different liberatory movements happening um, at the same time. Um, <clears throat> so, for example, like when I look at like the um, ballroom culture, like I oh, find yeah. that like that just that just doesn't come from nowhere. Do you know what I mean? That is clearly spiritual and innate and very black. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that's not something that the white girls are really going to be coming up with. Like, <laughs> So, you know, when it comes to that level of glory, mm-hmm. like, it's really, like, I find that um, that is more than enough evidence for me, do you know what I mean? That we um, really belong at the centre of our communities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just, I just find it really impossible to think that there was a time when we loved and we truly did belong like i feel like this um rejection of us is it just feels newfangled i don't think it's sincere um and also when it comes to like gender more broadly like you know people want to be really biological determinist like you know a man is a man and a woman's a woman do you know what i mean i don't no, I don't want my son wearing dresses. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's funny, but I don't want my son wearing a dress. You know what I mean? <laughs> but at the same time, you lot like also like I'm sorry, I'm not speaking to you too. I'm just, like, you know, them <laughs> lot. I'm like, but you and we did grow up together. You did see me, do you know what I mean? And so like for me to like grow through, go through primary school and secondary school, or whatever, like, and to manifest my my spirit and myself in the way that I have, <clears throat> it was wholly natural and wholly organic. And it wasn't until I was actually like really honest, sincere, and declarative about the fact that I wanted to medically transition mm. that I ever got called a man. I've never been called a man so many so much. Mm. You know what I mean, up until then, it's like, I'm not going Why are you such a girl for like? Honestly, no. Kachaki, you're like a girl, you know. Like, literally, like, oh my God, are you wearing nail polish? You got lip gloss. Why do you walk like that? Literally, I swear to God, why is your, why is your bum so big? Your bum is bigger than mine. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it that was that was all I heard growing mm-hmm. up and stuff. And then as soon as I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I know. <laughs> you got me. Um, <laughs> then it was like, oh no, yeah, at the end of the day, you'll never be aware. You can't have kids. Yeah. 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 I didn't say that. I did not say that. Like, which part of me says that I wanted your life, babes? Literally, I just want your man to <laughs> leave me alone. Like, I'm dead. I'm... I swear to God. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Because, like, I, that, again, I'm going on now, but, like, honestly, I find that really funny when I go back to where I'm from. I'm from Enfield and Haringey mm-hmm. and stuff. But, like, it's not... Obviously, there's levels of transphobic violence that I've had to endure. <clears throat> but just as a femme person, as a feminine person, as a woman, like, it's not safe for me to go to Dalston, to go to Peckham and wear a pair of leggings. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they won't. 
leave me alone. So, yeah. like, if I'm such an aberration, if I'm so abject, if I'm so disgusting, why are they always calling me? Why they, why won't they leave me alone? Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's a dishonesty. Yeah. I, I have never felt that level of, like, revulsion. Like, I... Like I could, I could move mountains with the way that these like people react to my sexuality and my presence and mm-hmm. my bodaciousness. Like it's it's powerful. So like, you know, like you have to accept that um, the unique and specific and spectacular position that I hold as a person. Like you can put say that that's under the rubric of male but like you don't really believe that babes like mm-hmm. that's not really me. like just saying yeah mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that, that is so interesting how you know like nobody cared until you said oh i'm gonna transition like and it just it mm. just shows how like people 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 pretend to be accepting. I think people pretend mm. to be, oh yeah, like that's all right, that's all. But they're not as um, progressive as they think they are. Like they, mm. they, they're not. They're not. And do you think mm. that when before though? Do you think that bef- when you um, before you said you were going to medically transition, mm. do you think they were who you were then? What did you say? Sorry, can when I they- clarify that bit again? So- so when they were telling you, oh, you're such a girl, you set your lipstick mm. and your and everything there. So when they were saying all this to you, do you think that they were saying that from a place of love or was that? No. Other yeah, you? Right. yeah, so they were othering oh, and, right. you know, they, yeah, so they weren't neutral observations. What they were hoping to do was to whip me back, you know. Okay. Into like you know conformist like masculine behavior that that fear that other um, people have mm-hmm. of being caught out there of being like left out of the fold you know like someone like pointing at you and saying you're not right you're not wrong I don't feel that like you know like I I, I don't know why I was so brave I don't know where that strength mm-hmm. from like I was being <clears throat> beaten up so regularly and you know like groped and molested oh, it was wow. just like this weird kind of sexualized bullying do you know what I mean where I was being beaten up but like groped on the way down it was like really weird yeah and so like I was going through that but I was still walking into school with my copy of French Vogue so, okay I was there okay. with my little you know my little bottle of water my little <laughs> in and my copy of Vogue you know, twiddling across the playground. I don't know who I thought I was. I was just <laughs> too much. <clears throat> but yeah, so those like um, observations were meant to um, like punish me, you know, they were punitive. And okay. <clears throat> when I, I was like, I point out my medical transition as like, that was for me in terms of my dysphoria and my comfort with myself. Like, we are like a really broad community. I I think people do find that difficult because there's so many iterations of trans. There's so many iterations of queer. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like... Mm. we there's so many like subgroupings do you know what I mean so for me like you know my 
transsexual girlfriends and the way we turn out high femininity that's like one thing and then you've got you know like your gender non-conforming femmes and male and like mbs and whatever and you know that's another thing and then you've got you know you gay males who will throw a wig on for the trades or you know do little drag Mm -hmm. here and there and then that's its own thing and i think because we speak about everything in such a binary fashion, yeah, you know, the people approaching our community are not ready to say, like, have a discussion about the <clears throat> um, seven different groupings of identities at the club and like how we don't like see ourselves as the same or roll with each other in that way, but kind of yeah. have a few things that like sharing common but you know some of us refer to ourselves in this way like pronouns are really important to me pronouns aren't important to me i do have dysphoria i don't have dysphoria i link this kind of you know i mean like that level of um um multiplicity is like really antithetical to hegemonic heterosexual culture Mm. man woman children you know like that's it like you know and like so what we offer in terms of the possibilities of life um, is so scary to people. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not, um, there's no prescript, there's no prescribed path. And for me, like my medical transition was of my own making. It was something that um, I decided along the way, okay, this makes sense to me. This surge is something that I would like to have. That isn't something I'd want to have. Excuse me. And so I don't really see that as being anyone's, like, it's not really something that I would discuss outside of, like, outside of trans space. Mm -hmm. Like, when it comes to my... um, transition socially and like you know in terms of what I my spiritual journey through gender you know manifesting the divine feminine like I would love to talk about that more but no one really cares about that to be honest like unless it's about you know your genitals or where your dress is from like no one's really feeling like that is worthy of public discussion um and that is actually like really much more fundamental to the way that I relate to um like a broader sense of humanity like what I decided to do to make myself feel comfortable in myself is like it may it's obviously that it feeds into a discourse around transness but I've got more in common with like you know quite a few of the girls in Calabasas you know than I (laughs) do with you know um you know, Sarah, the white trans girl down the road. I don't, it's not, I don't feel like, for me, my transness doesn't really divorce me from other women, particularly black women, in the way that people speak of it. Like, I just don't, people try to of me, but I don't feel that far away. Like, mm. But this yeah. is the thing about, I feel like cis, cis women, they, they really, really, like, hold on to you know, um, being biologically a woman or like, mm. that's, that's what they, it's like they're fighting to hold on to that. And even right. lesbians, which I find it just, it just blow, it blows my mind a bit. I find really, they, they, I just don't, I, from, I don't know if it's because I'm, maybe I'm younger and I do find that is, it's like the older, um, the older mm. this, uh, lesbians start behaving. Oh yeah. 
I find it mm. so strange because maybe mm. just because of how we, me and Rosie, we've, we've grown up in a world where maybe like, you know, is a bit more progressive, but I find that mm. those lesbians, those older ones, mm. are, their behavior blows my mind. Like it might not blow yours, but it definitely blows mine, you know? Mm. Um, is that the lady, there's a lady recently um, on Twitter that, you know, um, Elliot after, Page. Um, Elliot Page um, came out mm. this week and um, this lady just did like a mini thread on Twitter and she was just basically saying how she thinks it's unfortunate how um, lesbians feel like they expect masculine presenting lesbians feel like they need to transition to be happy within their masculinity something along those lines mm-hmm. it wasn't worth a word but something those, along those lines and like mm. it's things you do see older lesbians I think she was a lesbian anyway older lesbians speaking mm. like that and it's always it's to me, especially when they're from the black community, shopping because we have the like the ballroom scene and stuff like that. Mm. To me, I'm like, Rob, where is that? Was really going through your head? I mean, <clears throat> there were like, I mean, there were a few aspects of this conversation which run through my mind relatively regularly. Mm. Um, I think when it. <sighs> Like, particularly for, like, certain black female YouTubers on, like, on this subject, like, that. Because I feel like the discussion around biological women, you know, and stuff, mm-hmm. is something that that's re- that terminology is really kind of taken off there. You know, mm-hmm. that we are biological. We mm-hmm. have periods. We have children. We are... as well. And I think <clears throat> that <sighs> there is a feeling that this is um that to inhabit a cisgender woman's body is a sacred thing that you know so they have um a spiritual sense of themselves that is really strong but also that like what they provide the world in humanity is um essential and so because i'm not able to have my own children and become pregnant and stuff that i am worthless like i don't I'm not just worthless. I am worth less than them. I cannot provide the wider community with new life to regenerate ourselves. Therefore, I need to just get used to my position on the sidelines at the margins serving elsewhere, like pipe down, pipe down. You don't, you're not providing any children. Mm. Um, and then also like I think for marginalised women of whatever identity like whether that's be that's going to be black cis women whether that's um, who are heterosexual or lesbian I feel because of their experience of oppression like they are constantly told that they've been at the bottom of the barrel Mm. and that's that's real and then as time's gone on, they discover that, you know, there are trans women, they're, oh, they're beneath me. And mm. there's nothing, like, that people who are oppressed love more than someone to oppress. And I know that myself, mm. um, as someone who was bullied so um, harshly during secondary school, and when I got the opportunity to bully someone else, I was zealous. I, I took it up. You know, it's only a few days. But anyway, like, the thing was, I was like, finally, oh, literally, no longer, I'm no longer the worst one. I'm no longer the ugliest one. I'm no longer the one that says all of the thing. Oh, literally, you guys are going to give me a break. And all I need to do is just bully them in the way that I was bullied. I mean, 
to be fair, like, there should be a rotation. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there it goes. So if it's their turn, let's go for it. Do you know what I mean? Because I know what I've been through. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, um, there's a sense of relief in being able to oppress other people, if particularly if you've gone through that yourself mm. um, and you are able to disassociate and feel like you are no longer that person, that you've elevated past that and so you can shit on someone else. Um, and I think also like there's, there's, um, resentment and, um, difficulty, like growing up in the nineties, like the, what I learned about trans people was that we were basically a joke. Do you know what I mean? Like not just disgusting, but also, oh my God, look at that. Oh, vile. Oh, that's disgusting. Mm. Oh my God. Like, look at the wig. Look at the chin. Like, you can see the size of the chin. Look at the shoulders. Uh, you know, it was just point, point, point. Disgusting, disgusting. Oh my God. Can you imagine anyone wanting to be that, to be with that? That's so awful. Mm. And then, like, you know, in the past, like, five, ten, twenty years, there's been more of us who are writing books, modelling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Out doing the day, like, really proud. And so to go from the Jerry Springer stage of, oh, my God, that's a man, whatever, to I deserve a Pulitzer, I want to be, you know, <laughs> um, considered, like, for this magazine cover, I want to be on this reality show along with other people, I want to fall in love and have, like, a a fantastic wedding and, you know, have everyone look at me as if I'm delicate and beautiful and worthy. Like, that's a huge jump, you yeah. know, from, you know town clown, disgusting, perverted, vile, oh my God, look how awful this is, to I am a fully rounded human being who deserves to be considered as beautiful and worthy and I want a family or I don't want a family or whatever, like, but I am someone who, like, you need to consider as <clears throat> potentially someone that you can grow to love. That is, um, that is a really, um, it's a really long distance to go in a short amount of time. Mm. And the backlash that is coming towards us is literally trying to bash us back down to the fringes and hopefully, they hope, out of, in, um, out of existence most more generally. Um, so that we, that this is just, um, less of a wave, less of an upsurgence, and more of a blip, you know, more of a trend. Do you remember that time when, like, trans people wanted respect? Oh, yeah, that was awkward. All right. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's, maybe we haven't been uh, oppressed enough, but um, <laughs> we haven't lived long enough, maybe... <laughs> Come at a time where, you know, we, we just haven't been oppressed enough, I guess, to, to oh, do it that way and, and want to do that to other people. <laughs> what do you think, Rosie? Because I'm just, you know, for me, it's just, it's obviously, it makes sense now that you've explained it, but it... it yeah, when you were just explaining that, I was just thinking about, um, like, in, the, in this time, in this, like, little time scale what has actually changed, what has physically changed for this to become the new vision. And I don't know if it's because of, um, and it also leads me to wonder what you think about the black 
trans uh, woman representation there is at the moment, like in the media, social media, all of that. Um, so yeah, like what was that? What actually changed in that time? Like, was there a turning point? Well, I've passed like five years or ten, or, or what, what period? Are we let's say past five. Let's say past five because I think. Yeah, let's like, okay. Yeah, Getting with five. Years. Past five mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have to shout out the Marshall's Plate podcast and Simon Styles, um, who had um, T.S. Madison on as a guest um, this past week, and so. <clears throat> They were speaking about what it was like for both of them as, you know, black trans women from the hood, you know, <laughs> that they are from the streets, like raised out on the streets. They know the streets, you know. Is that America? Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And Diamond lives in Houston um, right now, um, but T.S. Madison lives in Atlanta and is originally from Miami. Right. <clears throat> so for them, particularly coming from um, their um, lives in like sex work and the popularity for their types of bodies in <clears throat> the right. sex work, uh, um, it's interesting to look at like what had what occurred outside of mainstream media and outside of respectability because i think when it comes to black trans women like laverne cox and janet marker mm-hmm. put up on pedestals like rightly so when it comes to the quality of their work and what they say and whatever but it's also it's really heavy it's really hefty do you know what i mean to feel that you've got to be this pure role model and it's too much yeah you know and i think we look for purity from our icons and role models which is really like not fair Mm. um and it also I think we're used to deifying people to the exclusion of others. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we don't need to pay. We don't need another book because we got the happy train like around the corner. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So we don't need yours. <clears throat> but what I liked about um, Diamonds and T.S. Madison is that they spoke about how um, the digital revolution that we live through, are living through, um, afforded them new space, new platforms, new ways to reach people. And so whether that was via Vine or YouTube or whatever, they were able to be themselves yeah. without having to go through the process of um, bougification, if you will, mm-hmm. allow them to be on the cover of Time magazine, writing for Allure, you know, <clears throat> being invited onto... Um, watch what happens live to talk with Andy Cohen. Like, that level of, that rejection of respectability um, was only really possible with the expansion of digital space. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, like, my um, access to Black trans women around the world, it's really been um, Tea Time with the Girls, which is a YouTube platform which really helped me um, make sense out of my political position um, mm-hmm. because they were so accessible. They didn't speak in an, an esoteric kind of superior fashion. And also that there is life in um, activism outside of an institution. So they started their platform after the murder of Islan Nettles, who um, 
a black trans woman who was murdered in 2013. Um, she was walking, I think, in Harlem. Um, this guy who <clears throat> was um, attracted to her, um, yeah, tried to move to her, and then um, the his friends clocked her tea, and then he felt ashamed and like then went on to murder her. Um, wow. She didn't die like several days later in the hospital, but that is like a common um, story. Mm. Mm. And <clears throat> I think like that sort of thing was obviously happening in 1987. It was obviously happening in 1963. Do you know what I mean? That is a street incident. That is something that you can imagine happen. But even hearing about our murders, as rough mm. as it is, quite new you know like I don't think that um <clears throat> Marsha P Johnson's murder got the um media attention that it deserved um in, in 1992 and the same way that it received <clears throat> in 2018 with the Netflix documentary that came out about her life the death and life of Marsha P Johnson so I think we the the thing to point out is that we need space, that we need more, and like that we can't continue to do what we've done historically and choose one person to live a really pure life, you know, to look up to, to deify whatever, and then, you know, seven years into that process of trying to make them into the um, really pure goddess, we find out that they had sex with someone and they are not like, <laughs> You know, she's stumbling out of a club, do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's mm. five tequila in, oh my God, what she did, <laughs> lines of cocaine, that's a red, do you know what I mean? Our interpretation of what was a good person because they've exhibited, like, human behaviour. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, what I've been grateful for over the past five years that I have more examples of unrespectable black trans women, problematic ones, politically mm. incorrect ones, messy ones. Mm. You know, I want us to be um, fruitful in our difference. I, of course, I'd love to hear about, um, you know, who girl who just got her PhD, who went up the aisle and married someone that she wanted to, you know, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But I also... I grew up with Lil' Kim and, you know, mm. I, I like, I like my ratchet guys. I just, that's what I need. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I like, whether one is, um, you know, respectable, unrespectable, I want, I want the most for us. I want the carefree black girls. I want the ratchet black girls. I want the girl, mm-hmm. um, black girls that listen to, um, <clears throat> you know, Nirvana or whatever. I, I want it all. I feel like mm-hmm. we deserve that all. I want, um, you know, I want to. I want to see a black trans girl at Spelman University who just like is, you know, ca- like playing the city girls every two seconds. Like, do you know what I mean? I want yeah. us to have that richness of experience that we don't feel so hemmed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of like the backlash that we're facing, like you know, with the. <clears throat> the court order this um this week that um meant that it's gonna be a lot harder for trans youth to access um mm. the help that they require and 
2020 being one of the most murderous years for black trans women, but also Laverne Cox walking through a park and, you know, having to endure an attack that no one cares about. Like, those very same places that um, run the adverts that she appears in, like, Mm-hmm. What happened to the Cox? I don't know what happened to her. What happened to her? was walking through a park with her friend and um, this guy clocked her tea and um, um, basically asked the male friend she was walking with whether she was a man or a woman and then wow. he um, <clears throat> reacted, like he defended her and... Um, yeah, a fight ensued and she was able to make it safely but was um, triggered and re-traumatised by the experience to the extent that she um, came on and did a live talking about her history of um, experiencing um, violence as a trans woman on the, on the streets. And this is someone who, oh you know, God. is, you know, was um, on the cover of Time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Orange is the New Black, um, plays in, <clears throat> you know, is, <laughs> stays booked. Okay. Yeah, booked and busy. For Ivy Park, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's had boyfriends who are open, like, you know what I mean, on mm. road with Laverne Cox, my girlfriend, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then being up with them, that was another thing. I love when the, I love when black trans girls break up with their men. I just hear it's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, we're always taught that we have to be, like, so grateful. Mm. Like, oh my god, you know, he knows that he did sex work and he's sitting there and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> first of all, he loves it, okay, experience, mm. so, like, whatever, and stuff. But I like when we don't center our lives around, you know, this man who expect, um, who loves you and is like willing to be with you in spite of everything that everyone says. Like, I. <sighs> I don't, I know that it's, um, it's a lot. It's more that they would go through if they were to be with this woman, for sure. But as far as I'm concerned, particularly in my case, it's worth it, nigga. Do you know what I mean? I just, like, mm-hmm. hey, like, yeah. I don't feel like we need to, like, hitch our wagons to um, the first man to show us respect. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like we need to be... We just need to like raise the bar and ask for more and mm-hmm. to um insist that even though people want the least for us, that we're just gonna keep on being out here like making hoes mad. Like that's my aim anyway. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh that is hilarious. Um but yeah. Do you know what, yeah, before we came on here, I thought I had to ask you, do you like Bob Risky? <laughs> I think she's. I, you know what? I think she's. Cute. <laughs> she's hilarious. That's one thing. I, okay, here's the. Here, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, what I like about Babriski is that she's so Nigerian. I know that's like it's not. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but she is just. I just yeah, I like the way that she talks. I think that she is. A messy bitch. She's mm-hmm. a messy queen who lives for drama. So mm. um, <laughs> I relate, but also <laughs> I really, um, I think it's really special that she chooses to live where she does. Yeah, and, you know the traditional narrative for girls like us is that you know once you you know begin a traditional ever you go to 
you know, the safest country possible and you just, like, live your life in, you know, quiet gender um, expression, you know, find a man, like, you know, and keep it cute, keep it calm, keep it quiet. And she refuses to do that. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. What I find troubling <clears throat> is that... Um, because of her margin, um, her marginalization, there's a certain kind of expectation that um, she should be less problematic than she is. Like, she's number one, a product of her environment. Secondly, um, like, we're allowed to be messy. Like, why do we all, we can't all be Brene Brown. Yes. Oprah, like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Some of us are messy. Like, some yeah. of us have, like, terrible views. Like, at the end of the day, like, she's not done anything to me that deserves, like, the out and out, um, you know, castigation. Like, how, why are you not still watching her? I don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, it's, it's painful to me that she is so consistently misgendered, like, as, like, a political oh. policy. Like, we know what you lot are doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Never, and like, never give her her pronouns. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Um, it's also devastating to me that she couldn't even have her bloody birthday party, like, without it oh, being yeah. raided. Like, mm-hmm. That freaks me out. Like, it's her, like, we're human shit. It's her birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Her birthday, boo. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I remember, like, I, I'm stupid sometimes. I, like, go and read comments, like, for, like, no reason. But, yeah, I remember, like, in the underneath, like, when they talked about her party being raided, they were, like, you know, being gay is, like, illegal in Nigeria, you know? I'm, like, first of all, the fact that you're holding on to Victorian, like, sodomy laws is, like, really <laughs> awkward, babes. Like, do you know what I mean? Don't call me when you, when you want a campaign. Okay? Mm-hmm. When you want... Okay, do you know what I mean? So if you really want to hold on to what um, Queen Victoria did to, like, like keep you... Like, I just like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, um, like, what I find really crazy is that, are you really trying to tell me that men are leaving Bob Risky alone? Like, no, they are no way. <laughs> they are no way. <laughs> okay, that, that's literally, what I want her to do is to have her sit down with Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Okay, oh. I want her to, like, literally, I would love for B. Scott, you know, to have like a little yeah. Nigerian edition. Mm. Okay, and we just that was so good. <laughs> thinking mm. with no names involved. Okay, let's yeah. get, let's discuss. Mm. Like, who, like, are you really trying to let me know that? Yeah, that she's just like out here and she's got no one in her WhatsApp. No. Oh no way! Plenty man, she got plenty. Okay, I, I would love ministers. Right, ministers. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, that, that house don't pay for itself. Exactly. Exactly. It goes. Yeah. Like literally, those lace fronts are not cheap. Like, babe. Like, don't. Literally, at the end of the day, like we get, in spite of everything that we go through, and in spite of the erasure and everything, we bring it every time. Do you know what I mean? Like we are people put so much effort trying to erase us, and we just we just keep coming back and serving look. <laughs> like, <laughs> <never> looks. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I will go to bed crying into my pillow, like the rejection and the nastiness or whatever. And then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, well, little Marks and Spencer's dress I got. I'll stay another day. Like, you'll get a moment, okay? Literally, mm-hmm. don't watch me on my scooter. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I do. I like Bob Brisket. Yeah, I do. I like. I do mm. like. 
I think um, I'm proud of her. Like the problematic elements, like okay, like, you know, like everything that um, these yeah. girls say. But I also I give black women a lot more leeway than most of you lot do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like um, I don't know. I just feel like when it comes to um, black women, cis and trans, whatever. I just feel like there's so little grace, leeway, compassion. It's scary to me, like, how much... Like, just the level of, like, virulent hatred that's out there, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Azealia Banks, for example. Like, yeah, she's messy. She's She's also, like, really talented and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hold things up that she's tweeted and mm-hmm. holds up the things that your fave has tweeted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I, so I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm always yeah. going to come down on the side of um black women just because everyone gives us such a hard time it's really weird yeah now I had to ask about uh, Bob Brisky because a lot of like especially my cis straight friends that is their mm. black trans woman um, representation mm. and they always wait always come back and ask me so but Bob Brisky what about Bob? it's always Bob Brisky Bob Brisky, Bob Brisky for them who listen to yeah. the podcast you know yeah to, but I think that they come back to her specifically is because she's problematic and because if you want to say like, oh, really, can we allow black trans women in a wider um, sense to like, you know, have any sort of freedom, any sort of leave or mm-hmm. whatever, then you're going to come back to her and say, oh, but you know, Bob Risky did that. So yeah. like, yeah. our existence is always dependent on one person's individual, um, mm-hmm. mor- individual morality. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, like, it means that we're all held to such a high standard that politically, we always have to be conscious. And I'm very aware of this, that, like, if I do something in a particular space or on a particular platform, it will then go on to colour everyone's perception of every black trans woman they meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So because I'm a slag, every black trans woman you know has to be a slag. Because I, um, you know, spend my, like like evenings like watching the crown and whatever like period drama like every other person that has to be mm. like, you know, like grilled on their veneration of like white culture and white supremacy and like whatever do you know what i mean like whatever like you are <clears throat> whatever is particular to you whatever idiosyncrasies whatever beliefs whatever mm. like you're not allowed your individuality you're re- you're yeah. re- of your whole group and for us as black people it's kind of weird that we're not seeing any sort of parallels i know because you know <laughs> people, people speak of like you know respectability politics and like how um mm. you know you're seen as you want to be the good black so that when like yeah you know, shit h- hits the fan people are like oh well mm. you know he wasn't a good person anyway like if he gets killed yeah. in the street he wasn't a good person anyway he went to prison like he, he he's 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 yeah. an absentee father and all this kind of shit and right. it's funny yeah, right. that they don't apply the same thing you know to everyone like it doesn't mm-hmm. yeah. I mean it's either coming from a level of like um intellectual like dishonesty mm. ignorance, or it's actually just a really conscious tactic do you know what I mean I remember that this was really effective when it was used against me and so I'm gonna use it against someone else yeah mm. yeah that's what it is. Yeah, because we can see right through it. Do you know what I mean? We, we can see right mm. through it. And we can, we can, we look at it and we say, well, we can identify that. Oh, that's that. So I don't think it's people, I don't think people are, are stupid. I don't mm-hmm. think they're stupid. I just, mm-hmm. I, it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. I agree with you. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
was going to say, the, um, obviously we know that, you know, the life expectancy of a trans woman is 35. And it was specifically like in the black community. And you did touch on the violence against trans women. And mm. the most common story that I've heard also is that, you know, a, a, a cis black man chats up a, a trans mm. woman mm. and then what you know he, he he finds out quote unquote that she, mm. you know trans girl and then you know there's just mm. violence and we hear that a lot and it always you know it's it is justified by the fact that you know this trans person was dishonest or you know they weren't who they said they were or they lied which for me is really mm. I don't see how that is so justified. It's really dishonest to me. And for me, I can see right through it is very, very transparent. Like the mm. story that I hear all the time. I remember when shit was mm-hmm. going down this year, there was a video of mm. um, a trans woman in the shop and she was being attacked by so many black men. Like there was about... Oh, yeah. Men. Did you After see that? In, um, I think it was it Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember mm. the store. And it just for me, like I just... I just couldn't like in my mind i just couldn't comprehend like what why is why is this happening there's a bunch of men just attacking mm. one person mm. you know and i just mm. think like wh- i don't know is that what i don't understand what is their business exactly i don't understand it like what what is their business and i just feel like people are just not being honest with themselves i think it's very very the way that people act it's just it it it's very irrational it doesn't make sense there's no rationality behind it it's just for me like it's just excuses and a bunch of nonsense and mm. you know i don't know what we can do specifically in the black community I, I, mm. me i don't look at the white community as something that we can like mirror or it's you know for me i'm not mm, looking, mm, looking at that mm, you know what i'm saying mm. i'm thinking what can we do in like to help people along because at the end of the day yeah we can say that mm. oh you know it's not our responsibility to educate and teach people but we kind of mm. like kind of have to like kind of do mm. kind of do do you know what i mean well, we the thing is, like, whether we want to or we don't like art and education for people like, mm. do you know what I mean? like I mean, we all have that experience of being the first one that anyone's ever met and you yeah. know so there's that you brought up several points that I had to respond to. So the first being that the um, life expectancy of black trans women, trans women of color, trans women being 35 is disputed. Like as a journalist, I have to point out that um, Katie Herzog is a journalist who did an investigation into like where that statistic came from, mm-hmm. and it looks like it started. Um, as a statistic for the measure of violence against trans women by an NGO um, in looking at violence against trans women in the Americas more generally. And mm-hmm. so, like, that report or whatever, it was said that the life of was 35. It's a very neat soupçon of a so, do you know what I mean? So it makes sense that it took off in leftist activist spaces. Mm. And so that was able to... Um, be proliferated without um, people checking it that much. But the truth is that, that we don't actually have the data. We don't have the data on yeah. with a lot of things, mm-hmm. but particularly around our life expectancy. Um, because, you know, disclosure, that's an issue. A lot of us are stealth, like, you know, and whatever. And, you know, in terms of keeping track of who's trans, at what age they can... Yeah. Um, position where they come out or whatever that is you know really nebulous so it's not like we don't need the data we most definitely do but we don't quite have it yet and Raquel Willis who is the um she's a writer and an activist and a former editor of um, Out Magazine 
point to that, but until we do have that data, something that would be really useful is instead to average out the uh, age of the women murdered that particular year. So, you know, that would... um, be on the younger side of things mm-hmm. and so that would i mean that would probably give us the urgency that we're looking for when we use that statistic specifically even though it's potentially fallacious and whatever, whatever. Mm. so there's that um <clears throat> and i am 35 years old so you know i mm-hmm, yeah really pertinent for me to have reached this age mm. and constantly um, be considering my mortality on a daily basis it's not healthy from my mental it's not for my mentals mm. it's not healthy for me to constantly be thinking oh my god you know getting past the age of 36 i'm lucky you know <laughs> like, yeah, i'm not yeah. like, not mm-hmm. but we need to raise the bar on what we feel um you know black trans women are due like i should mm-hmm. feel like you know, I'm able to like hop and skip down the street and, you know, yeah. you know, I have my little green juice and, you know, my oat latte <laughs> and whatever. That's like, like those sorts of, you know, little details should become mm. huge things that I'm able to look forward to because my life is just that good. Mm. Um, when it comes to um, the attack on um, Iyana Dior in Minnesota, like her Instagram live was... <clears throat> devastating because it was just like a community dispute like she was i think she was like parking her friend's car or her friend like i think her friend was inside with a child and so she was asked to park the car and she accidentally scraped someone's car and then they came out and started like fighting with her and she tried to get away from them um you know it should be just been an issue that was resolved by car insurance yeah yeah Yeah. Happened was when the guy came out and saw what had happened to his car and then clocked her teeth. Then everyone jumped in, do you know what I mean? And, like, you know, mm. oh my god, there's no an argument with a black child. Went, Let's kill her. Mm-mm. And I do feel that there is murderous intent and genocidal intent with the things that these viral videos that we see. Like, I don't think it's just a you know, oh, she got caught up in something. No, like once they clocked her tea, they were like, oh, we need yeah. to kill her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same when um, we saw Malaysia Booker like be beaten down in the street um, but in a road rage incident. This was 2019, I wrote about for Galdem. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that happened in 2019. And a month later, she was then murdered within that same, com- in the, within the community wow, where crazy. that, yeah, in the location where um, we saw her be beaten up a month before and stuff. So there is real serious murderous intent to this hatred. It's not just a, oh, I don't really like them people. It's like, I don't want them around. I don't mm-hmm. I want, them, I want, them, I want them around my kids. They deserve to die. Do you know what I mean? They're disgusted. And so <clears throat> I think we have to be honest about the level of hate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That it's just a, like, oh, they can live down the road, just not around my kids. They, they want us wiped out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I think that's just like the natural progression that happens when people are othered and monsterized to that extent. Do you know what I mean? Like, eventually, people want us wiped out. Um, and in terms of like what we can do, I'm not best placed to answer that, I don't think. Mm. Um, if I'm being honest, because like like I said, you know, my parents are um, 
identified as Pan-Africanist and, you know, had a colonial education and my mother's part of the Windrush generation or whatever. So in terms of where I saw us, I saw us as a family, I would position us as lower middle class. Do you know what I mean? As in, you know, so they both went to university and we had, you know, some really enjoyable holidays. Money was always an issue. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, in terms of access, the cultural capital, access to certain services and education or whatever, that was there. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that when the violence was increasing, what I needed to do was to get that white money, boo. Okay, yeah. I was just really <laughs> conscious. Of I mean, I was like, I'm definitely going to link that white man, you know. I'm definitely going mm-hmm. to <laughs> pay. So I totally... <laughs> I was not messing around mm-hmm. and also in terms of I mentioned as well with my drug and alcohol addiction um, I got to rehab at the age of 28 and it was a facility that cost like something like four to five thousand pounds a week and that's not something that we can wow. really um, offer as like a solution for everyone mm-hmm. in our communities who's suffering from drug and alcohol addiction um, but I was able to get that because I was linking a very rich lawyer at the time and so um, my path to recovery was financed by him. And when I eventually left that abusive relationship, um, after having had residential rehab, day rehab, etc., I was then able to escape to a flat of my own with my dog and look after myself with the financial support from white male friends and lovers. That's the team. That's why I survived. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want to be on stage at the South Bank, you know, like <laughs> if there's any exceptional black, you know, I don't, that's not, that's really not it. Like I, of course I have my talents and my skills and whatever, and that's fine. But the reason that I made it and so many other girls haven't made it is like literally because of my access to certain knowledge Uh, but ultimately white money that's it and it wasn't even Mm. reparations I don't feel reparations comes like from (laughs) men that you had to have (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was was a little bit too plantation-y still do you know what I mean yeah (laughs) so uh, (laughs) at the end of the day um that is why I've been able to find spaces of peace and safety. And like, whilst I was able to find, you know, a little flat in Camden, a little flat in Bertsey, and now I'm living in Berlin. Mm-hmm. I know that my path is not something that can be replicated. I'm not going to go to an expert mm-hmm. trans girl and say, do you know what? Yeah, you need to go and get a nice, good white man, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> I do say that, but at the same time, it's not something that we can roll out as a political, you know, kind of, that's, it's not something that, yeah, it's not effective. Mm. So obviously I feel like when it comes to like black feminism and whatever, we have like the blueprint for like what we need to liberate ourselves. And so when it comes, I'm for me, you know, as a prison abolitionist and, mm-hmm. you know, looking at um, defunding the police and whatever, like, I don't really see that as radical for me anymore. I know that it is like cited as such, but, you know, I, I want to move towards a world without violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't see violence as being a natural part of human life. The human nature, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a victim of sexual violence, well, what was she wearing? I just don't think that's normal. I don't yeah. feel. Like we have not, to get yeah. to, you know, that these um, systems of violence as just like a natural part of living on the planet. I, mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that there will be a day 
when we don't have to endure this anymore. And the belief for that came for me, like from my mum, when I was four and a half years old. Yeah, four and a half years old. Um, my mum was pregnant with my sister, mm-hmm. and we were sitting in our flat in Tottenham. <clears throat> And she was like nine months pregnant and she was going into the hospital the next day. Um, and so when she, yeah, cause um, my mum, her belly was big at that point. And I knew that I was um, gonna have a sibling the following day. Mm-hmm. So I laid on her stomach and on the television on a <laughs> shitty little TV in the corner, Mandela was being freed from prison. Mm-hmm. Oh. And seeing him walk out of prison you know, with Winnie Mandela, hands held in the air, jubilation, a sun-filled scene, you know, like, finally free after decades. And my parents, obviously, being involved in black political movements, starting in a scrap sauce campaign, but obviously, uh, whatever fundraisers for ends apartheid or whatever. Like, my mum just sat there, kept saying, I never thought I'd see the day. I never thought I'd see the day. Mm. And I think because we've, like, it's, you know, it's 30 years since that time. But there was a point when like, all those campaigns and whatever, they just didn't, they were doing it because they felt they needed to, but they, they had no promise that yeah. free. They don't think that they were ever going to win that cause. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, when <clears throat> we look back, I, also, I um, was listening to Doris Lessing, um, who's the... Um, She's the white author from, she grew up in Zimbabwe, but um, yeah, um, like moved to England in the late 50s, early 60s. And someone was asking her, you know, what's changed for you over the course of the 20th century? And she said, everything. You know, not just the vehicles or whatever, but you know, um, the Jim Crow era, you know, like, Hitler and like Mussolini and the fascists and the pill and you know gays coming out on the streets and whatever like it's utterly different and I think because we've gone through so much change um like we've forgotten that it's still possible you know what I mean we I feel like collectively like we all feel so bloody fatigued yes <laughs> there's no like we've lost faith that we can really like get through to any sort of other side um but 2020 has really come together the girls do like do you know what I mean she has been mm-hmm. you know flights grounded us all in our houses mm-hmm. you know like at the end of the day like people used to be able to like smoke on the plane that feels so bizarre to I us that's weird so if that feels weird <laughs> able to smoke on a flight mm-hmm. why is it weird for us to say to you do you know what we don't think that um black people need to be killed in the streets with impunity we don't feel that mm-hmm. every <clears throat> woman leaving her house needs to feel that she could be a victim of sexual violence just mm-hmm. because like we don't feel that just because you know a child comes to you and says do you know what i'm definitely trans and like this is this is just what's tea like mm-hmm. we feel that they deserve to be loved and worthy and that they've got like a bright futures ahead of them mm-hmm. it feels somewhat ridiculous for like me to bathe in that optimism in the current moment but at the same time as my mum told me we survived slavery okay yeah mm-hmm. if we genuinely got through all of that 
How dare you sit down there and cry because your white friends just told you that you look like a rogue or whatever. Like, get over it, okay? <laughs> like, literally. Um, yeah, that's the stock that I'm from. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, yeah, I believe in the impossible. Um, I don't know where my strength comes from. Yes, I like to feel delicate and soft and be loved and I love, you know... I'm in my bed off you. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I um, Yeah, all of that is very true. But I just, I I believe, I, gen- I genuinely believe in, um, yeah, the power of transformation. And more broadly, when it, in a spiritual re- um, regard, miracles. Well, thank you, because you've given me hope. Because <laughs> <laughs> you give me hope. Sometimes I think you just can't see beyond, you know, the parameters mm. of like your reality um, mm. it's hard to see past that when you're just all you're all you're seeing is everything that's going on and everything that's so bad mm. but like you said mm. like said like she never thought she'd see the day and she did and mm. i think that's powerful um but yeah mm-hmm. but for people that are you know listening that might need support um mm. i feel like there's might not necessarily there might be information out there but there might be people who struggle to find that information um you know of any like i don't know support out there um that people can go to that people can you know all like the youtube channels even like some people just want to experience books um you know certain things Mm. that helped you maybe um yeah absolutely yeah for sure i mean um, yeah, I've already mentioned the Marsha's Plate podcast. I also need to shout out the um, Tea Time Network channel, which has like an archive of um, black trans women content and stuff, which helps me immensely. Um, I'm a huge fan of T.S. Madison. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would shout them out. I would also say that when it comes to books, like what a book that um, transformed my um, understanding of what might be politically possible is Woman on the Edge of Time. That's my Marge Piercy. And um, it's really hard for me to talk about it without giving spoilers, but it is a feminist sci-fi novel, um, which um, has a has a woman character who goes on a journey which both validates her existence on earth and offers a future that is beyond any of our imaginations. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I would really recommend that. That's definitely something that um, has consoled me. Um, And I think... um, there are other books from Broadway that I think like are like super helpful. I loved um, Kindred by Octavia Butler, even though it deals with trauma. Like I feel, uh, I just found it really validating as a story, and um, it's yeah, it just it just showed me a future. But I like her work more generally. I think that um, Black sci-fi um just we deserve to stoke our imaginations like you know our lives are so hard and mm-hmm. i think we really need to believe in the sublime and the beyond so episode seven of lovecraft country was one that just blew me out 
oh, the water. I didn't know I needed it. When Hippolyta and, went, went, went off. Say again? That the episode where Hippolyta went off to... <sighs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. But particularly, and like, I was so thankful for their inclusion of um, um, Josephine Baker mm-hmm. and like, you know, that, like, you know, that queerness and fluidity, like that mm-hmm. was just, oh. Yeah. yeah. To see like, it. To see it. You know, like, that was I need to watch this. this like, all women's space, like mm-hmm. where she was able to enjoy herself. No, okay, yeah. so that was cool. Um, and oh, I don't want to, I can't provide spoilers, but yeah, and as it goes, <laughs> like, yeah, there's a conversation that she has um, at the end where about, you know, her bigness and like, you know, having to shrink herself down and that sort of thing. And I, like, in spite of my confidence, I really struggle with that. Mm. I really struggle with accepting my big... If I keep indulging myself, if I keep boosting my voice out, if I keep, you know, dyeing my hair and eating what I want and no longer, like, declaring my war on my body, diet culture, whatever, am I going to end up pathetic and sad and alone? Mm. Am I going to end up too big for someone? I'm really... That's something that I really struggle with. Am I too big? Um, so every time that I sit down um, at the desk and pick up a pen, um, I'm basically, that's my antidote to those fears, you know, like accepting that I can create work that will touch people and hopefully leave a legacy and, you know, is bigger than me, um, is like a level, it gives me a level of self-acceptance that I am allowed to just reach for the sublime. Um, But it's so lonely. And so not only would I um, reiterate how important it is for you to call yourself a writer, but I'm also just so desperate for more of us. Just that I've got people to email, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I need to share my work before it gets published. Like, I need to talk about it. Like, help me work it out together. Let's... I really want a community of Black, queer, trans folks who are able to... I just want us to be able to like love on each other and look after each other. And I want us to have our own buildings, not just yeah. space, buildings. Like Travis yeah. Alabanza points out that, you know, like when it comes to like, you know, having an institute and, you know, an archive and whatever, like because we're so maligned and marginalized, we don't have places that we own where we yeah. can protect mm-hmm. our work. We almost yeah. lost Zora Neale Hurston's work. You know, like it was, it was, if it weren't for a guy, it was a man, I think, who saw, like, after she died, um, they were like throwing all of her things out. And, wow. you know, can you imagine if we didn't have the eyes of watching God? Mm. You know, like, Guess you know, all of that work, like, we have to protect mm-hmm. our work and covet it and, you know, keep it away from, you know, damp, moldy walls and, like, that <laughs> sort of thing. Like, yeah. I re- I'm so I'm just so aware of how easy it is for them to erase us. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just do everything that you can to um, combat that and write everything down and save things and just keep taking photos and leaving traces and paper trails. We have no idea who will need that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this current political moment 
is just so special and I cannot imagine what people are going to say about us and the thought that anyone would be proud of the actions that I take today and that it might affect them wow. in the decades to come is definitely helping me to keep going and perspective of how hard it might be um, because of news headlines and whatever's trending mm-hmm. on Twitter or in the show. But yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> He's a shaking <laughs> Wow. Rosie, do you have anything to add? Because I'm kind of speechless right now. I just want to say, like, yeah, that's so nice. Because sometimes, obviously, with, um, I think about the now, when, I, when we're mm. doing all these, like, podcasts and panels mm. and stuff like that. I just think about now, but there's actually a whole generation that don't even exist yet that might indulge mm. the things that we're putting out there. Mm. And, mm-hmm. wow. To think about that, it's just it's just a wow, isn't it? It's, it's, wow. it is, yeah. it's big. Yeah, but but um yeah, so what what can everyone expect next from you? Like what's what's coming up next? Ooh, Chile. Okay, so <laughs> right now I um I have a I have an incredible literary agent and um, yeah, I'm represented by Soleil Edwards and Martians Entertainment. Who's lovely by the way. Say it again. He's lovely, by the way. <laughs> he is so sweet. Like, literally, yeah. she's so sweet. Um, I'm really encouraging. But, yeah, um, she's really helped me to believe that my ambitions um, can be achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the first one is obviously my debut novel, which I'm right in the middle of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm alive with it. Like, it's just mm-hmm. it's so invigorating to, yeah, finally be writing the novel that I've I had something around my mind for the past like three, four years. Um, and so, yeah, it's the working title is like That Nelson Girl. It's a black trans woman who's from North London who um, basically endures like quite a lot of scandal and dysfunction and um, is on a mission to prove the Jamaican family history, um, family legend that they are descendants of Admiral Horatio Nelson. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna make a few Daily Mail readers angry with that one. Uh, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Enough to see it. <laughs> I'm seeing protests at Trafalgar Square. I, <laughs> yeah, the Brexit crowd are not gonna be hats, but nevertheless, um, I'm really loving writing that story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful. And um, outside of that, I think. I'm really, I love the power of imagery. Like I've, you know, my internalized racism and internalized um, trans misogyny and whatever was just so deeply wounding that I never felt like I was worthy of a camera. And so for me to be like, you know, working as a plus size model now is just such a bomb, you know, that I am deserving of being looked at and savoured and drunk in. So, um, yeah, I'm really hoping to form more relationships with great photographers and just having, I just want to have moments that take people's breath away, to be honest. I just want to wear, you know, like, like fun stuff that doesn't, try to conceal my shape, you know, like I want, I want my shape out there, but I want silhouettes, honey. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to my bodaciousness, um, filling up, 
um, the pages and screens of many different places that I haven't yet thought about. Um, and once um, we are into a new phase in a post-COVID world, um, the travel um, opportunities that I have thought about in this um, during lockdown are just so... It's gone wild. Like, it's not just the usual city breaks or, you know, popping off to buy or, like, whatever. <laughs> I want to go to um, Salvador de Bahia in Mexico. I want to go to Lamu in Kenya. I want to go to Uluru in Australia. That's on the wall behind me. I'm, I, yeah, I just want, I just want to stand somewhere and have, an incredible view in front of me that I never thought I would get to see um, and be refreshed by like clean air. And hopefully I will be able to go to these places um, and have someone's hands around my waist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that, that's the minimum you can expect from me. Wow. <laughs> I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to all of this from you. Like even with your novel as well, um, Obviously, I went to school in North London. I went to Our Ladies. And okay. Yeah, and then I used to play basketball at um, DNK as well in North London. Okay. Yeah. Oh, DNK. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're bringing it back. Yeah. By the amount of time I used to go down to Wood Green to watch DNK fight Tommy Moore. Literally. <laughs> by the cinema, yeah. When the cinema, when Hollywood Green was being built, the yeah. fight. I saw, I was on the front line. That's where my journalist kicked in, you know. <laughs> I was on the front line, literally, Kenga reporting live, literally, because, like, like, those Alicia Keys braids, they were dangerous. <laughs> okay, leaving the girls oh, They would whip an eye out. <laughs> yeah. See, I just, I just love that, like, you're from familiar grounds. Mm. Yes. So, like, reading that book, it would feel... I almost feel like I'm there watching, and that's, I'm definitely looking mm-hmm. forward to that because you know when you see the, you right. the stories. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you actually? So without without giving us a spoiler, do we mm-hmm. hear any familiar areas mentioned or anything like that? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I won't give any spoilers. I guess I'll just give what the first couple chapters will let you know. Um. She's from like um, Stroud Green, like yeah, from the Crouch Ends oh, okay. kind of um, <clears throat> world, and um, she she has like incredible ambition to um, blossom into um, something that she's quite not she's not quite sure of and <laughs> stuff. So it's. It's a story that I came up with when I um, went to visit a Greenwich Museum exhibition on the life of Lady Emma Hamilton mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, even though that's like a, a story that um, took place, even though her life was over the late 18th, early 19th century, um, it's a distinctly British story, you know, like a rags to riches kind of tale. And so my main character, like her life mirrors hers in a, number of different ways um but the reason that i feel like it's really important is that <clears throat> it's a she is a black british girl do you know what i mean yeah and, like, yeah i 
<clears throat> I think like particularly with what we've seen um, recently, you know, the reactions to the Sainsbury's advert and, yeah. you know, the Black Lives Matter, Black Lash and whatever, like, it's so weird to me, like, that people are still Enoch Powelling it out here. It's crazy, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping to not just, like, rock the boat in terms of, you know, an insight into what her life is like, <clears throat> like, as a black trans girl in North London, but also, like, for me, she's my English rose. Yeah. So, yeah, literally, <laughs> who's got the same as that, but was an issue <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Literally, because, yeah, she's coming. She's coming. <laughs> oh, looking forward. I'm really looking forward to it, man. Yeah. Even, like, you getting booked and busy with um, getting on campaigns. I am looking yeah. forward to that because yeah. we've... One thing about, on this podcast that like, we've been speaking about Black queer representation quite a lot. Mm. And, I mean, we're tired. Mm. We need, we need yeah, some we, new faces. Yeah, we need <laughs> new faces. Like, we're tired of seeing the same old, like, mm-hmm. you know, same old size, same old complexion. We're yeah. Tired. Mm-hmm. It's very, very samey. Yeah. And yeah, we're just looking. Yeah. For and also seeing, kind of seeing ourselves as well, because boy, I ain't seen no like dark skin, even like mm-hmm. people on covers as, as much. Mm-hmm. I don't really see dark skin queer, point yeah. blank, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it just. Yeah, no standards. Mm. No, that is definitely like part of my intention. Like, I'm coming for the high street. I want to be seeing yeah, good. Okay, FC. Okay, I'm coming mm. for these magazine covers. I'm mm. coming for Mulberry. I'm coming for Vivian Westwood. Mm. For- We're ready. Yeah. Okay, literally. Mm. So yeah, line it up. <laughs> good. Thank you so so much for coming. Thank you me. for having me. I cannot tell you what a joy it has been to have you oh. like, say. Also, tutus has been part of my vocabulary from the age of like, like nine. <laughs> like, I kind of like the meaning of tutu. Like, it's not just like, oh yeah. Like, it's not just like you know when you're like telling a story. Like, oh yeah, and then tutus. Yeah, yeah. I, mean? I also off from seeing people like tutus. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I really felt like I was coming home today. Like you lot are so happy for the space you're creating and also just the way that you've made me feel. Like I feel normally when I'm doing these sorts of public things, like I leave like feeling drained and I feel so nourished for like the space given to me. So thank you, honestly, it's such a joy. Thank you so much. I feel nourished, I feel replenished, I feel like I feel I just feel positive. I mean, like, I just, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of uh, episodes that we do where I just feel like at this height, you know, heightened and activity. And That's my job. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I just want, I just want to mention that my, my girlfriend is sitting here with a massive smile on her face because she's, <laughs> she's been listening. <laughs> she wasn't supposed to be listening. Oh. And she's, like, as you've been talking, she's been having her hands in the air like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, thank you so much. We're on site. We're on site. That's exactly what you're doing right now. Exactly what she's been doing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for everyone that's listening. Uh, Make sure you use the hashtag Two Two's Podcast in conversation on Twitter, and don't forget to rate and view us on Apple Podcasts. And until next week, I just felt my my agent would kill. Um, find okay, me yeah. on um, Instagram 
at Kachenga. Um, find me on Twitter at Kachengcheng. And also you can find all of my writing, my writing at www.kachenga.com. Hey. Amazing. We're definitely going to put that in the... Um, in the promo for this oh, this episode and we'll put it in the actual description as well but everyone make sure you check it out please please do because it's good stuff you know mm-hmm. but yeah until next week peace, peace. Stay. <laughs>